0: we mm-hmm. How's it going everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode what is it? Uh 339 of X Labs uh, where it's uh it's been a minute. It's been that's been a lot of minutes actually. I've been away for a little while uh, away from the microphone anyway. But uh yeah, a funny thing happened when I woke up this morning. I uh, I kind of missed this. As we're about to find out. I, I really didn't miss the books all that much because the books are uh well, they are what they are. I, uh, really just missed, uh, this. You know, our little, uh, discussions here. I missed you. I missed, uh, connecting with people. So, um, well, here we are. As embarrassing as it, uh, sounds, or it feels, anyway, um, the past few weeks have been comprised mostly of, uh, navel-gazing and soul-searching and, uh, all that cringy stuff that, uh, us fake-ass creatives do every once in a while when we when we hit a bump in the road or fall into a rut or start to question what it is that we do and um all of that's available i, I did it publicly <laughs> all of my uh, silliness is uh is ready to be read at the uh, chris's on infinite earths blog it's I wouldn't blame anybody for, for not reading it. It is, um, wildly precious. And uh, maybe I'll save some of that discussion for the other end of the episode here. So if anybody just wants to know what happened in whatever book we're talking about today, uh, you can hear that and then you could just hit stop and not listen to my, you know, BS at the end of the episode. But, um, I'm also coming to you today from a new computer, because in the midst of all of this self-indulgence, my, uh, My old computer grenaded. Well, it threatened to grenade. Um, I got, like, a message every few minutes saying, Hey, uh, your hard drive is about to uh, go boom, and uh, you're not allowed to to use this computer anymore. And it got to the point where I could barely do anything without it uh, giving me a warning or getting very, very loud. It sounded like I was on a motorcycle. I tried recording something not too terribly long ago, uh, something, you know, not connected to to X-Lapsed, and it was like I was in an airplane or something, like a, a fighter jet. It was just very, very loud. The computer just did not want to react as coolly and calmly as it uh, as it used to. It's still alive. It's still working. It's almost working in spite of me spending a whole bunch of money to replace it. It feel I, I feel like it's uh, kind of mocking me at this point. It's like, hey, yeah, I know you just spent a bunch of money on a new computer, but uh, I'm working better than I ever have before. I'm fast. I'm quiet. It's... It's really quite annoying, and uh, it is kind of a kick in the teeth uh, to see that it's working as well as it is. But um, it did give me a decent enough excuse to upgrade. I went from an HP Envy 360 that I bought uh, a few years ago, about, probably about four or five years ago. Um, I remember the day I actually spilled coffee. All I was writing a script for a, a Cosmic Treadmill episode. It was a Saturday morning and Reggie and I were going to be recording later that afternoon and I accidentally kicked over my coffee cup on the uh, on the old laptop and um, I tried all those things that you're supposed to do when you spill things into a laptop you know turn it upside down you know the, you can get the hair dryer you can do all those things to kind of unf up your machinery and naturally that didn't work because um it was a rather large cup of coffee I, I have a giant coffee cup that I drink out of it's, It probably fits like 4 cups in it And it was pretty much full So, I mean, this uh, the old rig was sloshing So I had to replace it with the one that I ultimately got And I remember running out to Best Buy And just picking up the first thing I could Because I had a recording session that afternoon And wanted to make sure I had enough time to finish my script And get all that stuff done and. Really didn't pay much attention to specs or anything like that So I just ran and I picked up the closest approximation to the computer that I had just drowned And that was this uh, HP Envy dealie And, you know, very, very basic, really no bells and whistles to it Had a touchscreen that worked whenever it wanted to <laughs> It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the greatest thing in the world But it got me through and it, uh... Well, I mean, we've done every single episode of X-Lapsed on it So 330-whatever, and... Every other show, every other blog post in the uh, past four years have been done on that rig until until right now, where I'm recording from a Surface Laptop Studio, a Microsoft deal here, which I waited for like a week and a half to be delivered from Microsoft because uh, I guess I don't know supply chain stuff. Uh, it's hard to find things when you uh, when you want them now. It's not like you could just run to the store and pick stuff up. Uh, in most cases, you can. In this case, I could not, so I ordered it. Waited a week and a half for it to show up And I got it and it, it looked like it was used Like, um, you know, if you have a laptop and like you rest your palm on it You know, uh, for a number of months, a number of years It starts to wear away and it gets like that almost reflective surface on the, on the case Well, I opened this thing up and it had that already So I don't know if someone with uh, radioactive skin was holding it or testing it or whatever But it looked really, really bad and to the fact that this is like the first computer I actually spent like a decent amount of money on. I I wanted it to look new until I broke it, you know, until I let myself sweat all over it, and uh, so I had to send it back and uh, ultimately found another one at Best Buy. So I picked that up and uh, well, so far so good, I guess. Um, this one, it also uh, I I got like the uh, the Surface Pen that I had had to buy separately because nothing <laughs> nothing comes together anymore. So I bought that because uh, I did uh, take a giant step out of my comfort zone And I took some uh, paid art gigs Which is something I haven't done in decades at this point And it's it's pretty staggering going from... uh, It's like I feel like I totally missed out on the whole digital era of art Where all my life I would, you know... Draw and doodle and sketch on, like, typing paper You know, like, the cheapest stuff you could find Whatever you could find in the most abundance is what I had And, um, going from that, all those years ago To drawing on, you know, glass It's, uh, well, it's uh, been a stark reminder that I need a lot more practice than I, uh, than I thought I would it's, uh, It was quite a humbling experience, but, um uh, I won't bore you anymore with that We'll just move on to uh, today's story Since I've already wasted so much of your time On, on my silly, stupid stuff here but Like I said, I, I've missed our little uh, meetings here Our little uh, visits with each other So Maybe I've just missed the sound of my own voice um, Well, you know, something I haven't missed Is, uh, well, Devil's Reign X-Men So how about we get into that uh, Today we're talking about Devil's Reign colon X-Men number 3 Which had a May 2022 cover date Stories called Showstopper, written by Jerry Duggan, with art by Phil Noto. Letters, VCs, Corey Petit, Designs, Tom Muller, Edits, Amaro, White, Sabalski, cover price, 4 bucks. This one went on sale March 23rd of 2022. And uh, well, the at least the credits are kind of like riding a bike. I feel like I'm, you know, back in it here. Let's open this sucker up. We open with a mostly blank quote page. Hey, I didn't miss those either. Uh, here, Turk Barrett talks about how much scarier Emma Frost is than The Kingpin because it is an Emma Frost story, so we can never, ever, ever, ever forget that she is always the most competent and badass character on the page at any given time. Now, we open the story with Union Jack turning Emma over to the London police. Now, he makes sure to tell her that there are no hard feelings here, because the X-Men have always been aces in his book. They've always treated him with kindness and fairness. To which, Emma mentions that England is far less fascist than the United States. Eh? Mr. Duggan, Mr. Duggan, I'm starting to doubt you could spell fascist, let alone define it. Uh, Then again, this is the man who brought us X-Men Green. Now, the officer goes to place a side-dampening neck gimmick on Emma, but she hoodoos him into putting it on himself. Then she sicks a couple of dogs on Union Jack. While he's dealing with the pups, Emma has the rest of the London PD free her from her cuffs, and then literally carry her away. Almost as though she was like Macho King Randy Savage Now to thank them She pulls the pins out of a couple of their gas grenades To cover her escape Once she's out the other side She telepathically tells them to bop each other on the head With their billy clubs Until they're KO'd I I think this is comedy I think I mean concussions are, are hilarious right I mean at least it's Phil Noto And so the scene looks very very nice from here, she thanks the pups and uh, seems to have an actual conversation with them. Then she leaves, and Union Jack comes in to check out with all the conked-out coppers. Double-page spread, roll colon crit. I didn't miss those either. Uh, we got Emma Frost, Kingpin, Electra, Union Jack, and Isabel. Now Isabel, of course, is the girl that Emma smuggled out of the country. It's also the girl that the rest of the world thinks she's killed or something. Anybody remember that? Anybody care? Hmm. Info page, and it's a letter from Emma to Isabel, and it's the note that she gave her after dropping off in London back in the long ago. It explains that, uh, well, Isabel's now got a new identity. Isabel's last name is now Donovan, which was Emma's mother Hazel's maiden name. Back to comics, our next stop is the London Hellfire Club, where Emma runs into Isabel. Well, that was quick. Um, Now, Isabel, she's now grown up, and she's wearing a purple and black leotard, almost like she's auditioning to be the third Hawkeye. Emma asks her to return to New York with her so she might clear her name. After that, she promises she'll set Isabel up anywhere she'd like to go, and it seems like Izzy is considering Krakoa. Emma says that'd be difficult, but not impossible. Now, Isabel asks why Emma didn't just simply mind-wipe the kingpin. And Emma explains that she tried, but the thing of it is, Fisk has a uh, subcutaneous, subcutaneous, however you say that word, metal implant, which interferes with her hoodoo. From here, we get caught up on Isabel's adolescence, and we learn that she's not the same helpless little girl from the long ago. You see, Electra would show up from time to time to train her how to fight. So, jeez, like, maybe she is auditioning to be the third Hawkeye, huh? Mm. Now, with this newfound knowledge, Emma suggests that Isabel ready herself because, well, they're just about to be attacked. And, just like that, Union Jack and a riot cop burst into the scene. Jack comes in through a window, and the cop just uh, materializes in the room. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, Isabel proves to be a pretty competent fighter, but at the end of the day, she's outnumbered. Jack knocks her to the ground. To which she draws a knife and then slashes the riot cop's knee. While Jack tends to his ally, it gives Izzy the opportunity to put a little bit of space between them. She makes her way to the Hellfire basement, where I'm assuming there's a Krakoan gateway, since, well, next thing we know, the ladies are both being spat out the other end, landing on Krakoa. Isabel takes in an eyeful and suggests that, huh, maybe island life might not be for her after all. And now, it seems like we've reached the point in our story where Duggan realizes that this is a three-issue miniseries instead of a four-issue miniseries, because, well, everything gets fixed over the course of a single page. Um, Here we've got Emma chatting up the only reporter in the Marvel Universe, Phil Urich. Uh, The Kingpin holds a press conference expressing faux relief that the kid isn't really dead. The Daily Bugle runs for a story, and Emma and Izzy bid each other adieu. Yeah, we definitely needed three issues to get to that point, didn't we? Um, now we uh, shift scenes to Emma chatting up her attorney and eating a bagel. And, you know, a few weeks ago I did write quite a bit about Cable eating a bagel over Chris's Uninfinite Earths. You could uh, check that out if you want. Anyway, it's explained here that Emma is off the hook for the whole murder thing, right? Of course, there, there's no body. She's alive. She's good. But... You see, she's still on the hook for all the nefarious things she did while under the employ of Wilson Fisk. Such as, you know, stealing Sue Storm's identity and taking out a fraudulent loan, and hey, that is something we saw back in Flashback Land over in the first issue of this series. The attorney further explains that in countries that don't recognize Krakoan sovereignty and don't play with the whole amnesty thing, well, Emma Frost has some arrest warrants. Emma says something about restructuring, which is very, very boring, and hopefully we don't get stories about it, but uh, she's got a plan, you know. Uh, we wrap up with the wildly pleasant sight of Wilson Fisk in bed, naked, with Typhoid Mary straddling his belly. Huh? She's also got a knife, you know, going across his throat, and we soon see that she's being mind-controlled by Emma Frost. And, I mean, if Emma could get this close to Fisk at any time... Why in the hell did we just spend 60 pages on this pointless friggin' story? Anyway, uh, she threatens him, she talks tough, yada, 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 none of this matters. At least it's over. Marvel is $12 richer, I am $12 poorer, but at least we're out the other end. Uh, Next episode, we will be finishing up the Reign of X era Officially, I think, with uh, the final issue of X-Deaths of Wolverine That is X-Deaths number 5 But, well, for now, uh, I guess we could talk about this issue a little bit Very little bit I, I mean, my main takeaway here is that This was basically every modern Emma Frost story You know, where Emma does bad stuff for the right reasons and she gets to look badass and tough and very, very competent, and she gets the last word. And I mean, are are we still entertained by any of this? I can't speak for anyone but myself, but uh, not so much. Um, now let's go back to the you know the genesis of this sort of kind of pointless story. Now, we found out that Emma was indebted to the Kingpin because he helped her with the whole, you know, uh, Lourdes, what's-her-face-faking-her-death situation, right? But the entire point of this miniseries is that Emma could, you know, disappear someone. She disappeared Isabel without the help of the Kingpin. And actually, in spite of the Kingpin. So, what's the, what's the point? Like, why, why did Emma need to go to Fisk to help with the whole Lordis thing? Why didn't she just send Lourdes to London with uh, you know her mother's maiden name? Maybe there's an obvious thing that I'm missing Maybe I'm an idiot, maybe both, I don't know But um, it just seems like one of those stories that was written in reverse Where we have that badass scene with Emma getting the last word And then we had to find out how to get there and uh, we took, you know, the path of least resistance, which isn't always the most satisfying. Now let's let's pretend that Emma had to go to Fisk about Lourdes right? We'll totally disregard everything that tells us otherwise, and we'll just play along. Maybe it was just a a, a moment of weakness. She had to go to somebody right away, and uh, Fisk was that person. Now, Fisk did use Emma for Lord only knows how many illegal gigs, right? Things that could legitimately dangle, that he could legitimately dangle over her head. And yet, this entire story is predicated on the maybe death of a girl who was in and out of the foster care system for her entire childhood. Why didn't Fisk just leak the things he knew he could actually prove without a shadow of a doubt? If, he, if the whole thing was smearing Emma Frost's name or, you know, hurting her reputation, there were ways he could have done that uh, without even worrying about this maybe death of Isabel. And ultimately, that is the main concern here, is reputation. Because, I mean, this whole thing doesn't look great for Krakoa's PR, right? But the United States does have that amnesty thing with Krakoa, don't they? So, I mean, worst-case scenario here, uh, Emma looks as though she killed a kid, which... It's not ideal, but it's also not something that really changes much of anything. On the grand list of mutant atrocities, that uh, I mean, that's not even like in the top five thousand, right? And I mean, at the end of the day, this was a blatant cash-in miniseries, so it's really hard to hold much of anything against it. It, it set out to do one thing. And that one thing was, uh, well, separating us from $12 American of our hard-earned money. And uh, damned if I don't have all three issues here sitting in front of me. So, um, way to go. Now, of course, it should go without saying that the art was phenomenal. Um, You know, Phil Noto is uh, spectacular. I I don't think I've seen a single page, (laughs) you know, drawn and designed by Phil Noto that uh, that I didn't think was you know just top of top of the class right it's just beautiful beautiful stuff and this is uh no different but i think that's probably the only praise i can heap upon it because i'm getting the uh i'm getting the empire flashbacks here where it's just blatant cash in material that really doesn't have much of an effect on anything maybe you know in a year or two they'll decide hey we want this isabel to come back um so then uh i guess in that case you should all get these issues slabbed if you own them because um those speculator apps are going to start pinging if that ever happens Or if she gets a Disney Plus show who knows? I, I gotta stop before I get too bitter <laughs> So we'll just leave it at that here This was a story that probably won't rock any socks It also won't set anybody's hair on fire It was just, you know, a take-it-or-leave-it sort of story Which I, I guess a lot of them are these days, aren't they? Anyway, that's probably all I have to say about Not only Devil's Reign X-Men number 3 But Devil's Reign X-Men all together And I guess that takes us to the end of the program here. And, um, you know, I always struggle with how to end a program, even in the best of times. Like, uh, when I'm doing this every day, how do I end a show? I just, like, do I go into contact information and uh, just, you know, hope for the best? Or uh, do we engage in a little bit of that real talk? I mean, what do we do here? It's been about a month since I've actually sat down and done this. And it's one of those things where I feel like I owe an explanation, but at the same time, I realize nobody gives a shit. So I guess I'll give everybody the opportunity to hit stop on their devices now, because you're not going to miss anything uh, comic-related or anything even interesting <laughs> if you stop now. But just uh, for anybody who is interested in uh, just the goings-on and the behind-the-scenes, you know, stuff, um, you can you can keep listening, I guess, if if you want. No hard feelings either way, though. Of course, uh, nobody owes me uh, anything. But um, I want to go back to I don't know, a month and a half, two months ago. I had uh, I had engaged in some very, very indulgent uh, real talk on the air here, talking about um, how I kind of turned this program into a, a surrogate for something that's missing in my life, and how my grand conclusion. My, um, you know, the the profundity that smacked me across the face <laughs> as I was uh, delivering that monologue was, uh, you know, kind of acknowledging uh, that that I treated this show as though it were something that needed to be nurtured every single day because I'm kind of lacking that in my real life. And my, you know, grand deduction was that I need to do better. I need to be better about that. I need to treat this as nothing more than, you know, what it is, which is a hobby. It's an opportunity to share something I'm passionate about, maybe make a few friends, maybe make a few connections, and just share ideas. It's kind of the whole point of this entire medium, is sharing ideas and and sharing our passion with one another. And I told myself that that's what it was going to be. You know, I wasn't going to... I wasn't gonna make this more than what it was. I wasn't gonna romanticize it, and that is definitely a weakness of mine. I tend to, I tend to, uh, you know, apply real importance to things that probably shouldn't warrant it quite as much as uh, as I let them. So my big takeaway was that I was just not going to do that anymore. Which, you know, I said that with the <laughs> with the best of intentions, and uh, with uh, a genuineness, you know, I, I meant it. But I'm a weak individual, um, and it's one of those things that's far easier said than done, unfortunately. Um, it, it's, it's easy to get stuck in your head, and at the same time, it's very, very difficult to break habits. You know, there's a whole you know cognitive behavioral school of thought. That uh, we could dig into if, uh, if I felt like digging into it Or if, anybody, if I thought anybody felt like listening to it I don't think anybody would But I guess the quick and dirty of it is that I'm sure many have heard the example of the kid who touches the burner You know, I, when you're a little kid and you touch the burner And you realize, okay, that hurts You don't want to do it again So maybe the next time you see the burner You think twice about touching it With me, it's a little different With me, I touch the burner, I burn myself, and then it's that whole definition of insanity thing that uh, the internet loves to go on and on about. I see the burner again, and I think, hey, maybe this time it won't hurt. And so I touch it again, and again, and again, and again. And the reason for that is that regardless of the pain, regardless of the, I don't know, disappointment, (laughs) it's... Easier for me to do that Than to stop the action Stop the behavior You know, uh, know, there's that whole ABC thing in cognitive behavioral You know, there's the antecedent Or antecedent, however you pronounce that word Then there's the behavior, then there's the the consequence And for me It was too hard to stop the behavior Because the behavior just became part of my life You know, uh, as I said This whole project This entire endeavor was being used As A surrogate for something missing in my life Something I could nurture And if I were to stop The behavior of nurturing Then Suddenly That surrogate would no longer exist You know, it would uh, would take away Whatever identity I had affixed To this project And I apologize for being I don't know know if we we would consider this heady Or just way too precious Or way too navel-gazy But um I don't know, it is what it is So it just became too difficult for me to separate uh, this from what I had Kind of uh, the identity that I'd given it Does does that make sense? It probably doesn't make any sense I'm basically just babbling at this point So I'll try to, I don't know, I'll try to circle back and and make this um, make sense (laughs) I guess, I don't know Um... We talk a lot about how uh, free time is kind of a premium when you're, when you're a growed person, right? I wouldn't say adult, but a uh, growed You know, someone who has responsibilities, has things that um, they ought to be attending to You know, jobs, school, family, a combination of the three uh, Stuff in, in addition to that, you know Those are the things that we prioritize because those are the things we have to prioritize My priorities got a little bit skewed And, uh, my free time What little of it there was Was dedicated to This, you know, creating Content, and I, you know, I've, over the Past few weeks, I've really, really come to Hate the phrase Content creation, because, uh I don't know. I, I wrote a lot about that at the blog. If anybody's interested, it's, it's there. It's there. I, I can't promise you'll enjoy it. I can't promise you'll get anything out of it, but it is there if you want it. Chris is on InfiniteEarths.com. There's a whole lot of wildly cringy stuff there right now. But I devoted basically every free second I had to this, whether it was thinking about this, whether it was designing art for this, whether it was recording, writing. Anything I could do to further the, you know, X lapsed or the Chris and Reggie cause I, I poured myself into. And as someone with a very obsessive and addictive personality, that is not, that's not a good thing. That's a recipe for, well, uh, burnout, disappointment, disaster. <laughs> Just, uh, it's not, not a good place to be. And, um... You know one thing I have talked about not as much as I probably should have because it's hard for me to get through discussing this without breaking down. but um we did lose our dog back in January um it's five almost five months ago, and I'm still not over it. I still can't walk past his little box without you know without breaking down a little bit. but uh, the reason I mention that is because. In the months leading up to his passing, our pup was uh, very, very dependent uh, on on us and required a lot of attention. His um, yeah, his little legs were given out. He he had suffered a spinal injury years and years ago that was catching up to him. Then, uh, of course, the cancer and uh, it was it was not. It wasn't a great situation. It was a very, very difficult time. But I mention that now because. It was also a very, very light time for the show and for my content or for my my creative endeavors. It was very, very light because I had another focus, you know. Um, my free time wasn't devoted to talking to myself in a room, you know. It was devoted to taking care of something that needed me, someone that needed me. And so this hobby became what it was supposed to be to begin with, an escape. You know, it was something that I could go to where I could just be by myself. I could decompress. I could not worry about what's going on outside that door, you know, in the living room and in in the rest of the house and in the rest of the world. It was just my time talking with my friends about something I am very passionate about. And in retrospect, when I go back to... The months leading up to his passing, I was at my, I was at my most um, prolific, and I was at my most fulfilled creatively. You know, I was putting up multiple posts a day. I was doing written reviews plus a podcast plus different podcasts plus the Patreon stuff. And I didn't feel burnt out at all. It was just my escape. It was a hobby. It was it was something I loved to do. It was something that uh, I just couldn't imagine not doing. And then he passed, and all I was left with was like this idle time that I had devoted to taking care of him. And this once again turned into something unhealthy, something that it should never have been. It turned into something that I set. Too high an expectation on for a return It became just like everything to me Because, well, I was surrounded by it You know, I set every free moment I had to it And I still used it as an escape But it was an unhealthy escape It wasn't a diversion anymore It was a... it was hiding out And I mean, I've talked about this on the air and on the blog But uh, the wife and I are trying to uh, conceive And it's not going great. And it's a situation where I don't have any control. And so I escape worrying and thinking about that by coming in here and and creating a show or a post or an article or whatever because I can't control everything about it. I can't control people reading it. I can't control people listening to it. I can't control people consuming it. But there is a bit of it that I can control I can control when something happens, how something happens How long something is, how deeply I research something There is... I have a say in it But then I get greedy And I want to have control over more aspects of it Which includes control over other people Which is just very, very unhealthy And, uh, I mean, unrealistic uh, to boot But that's where I've been And that's why I, I stopped That's why this show ceased for quite a while. And, you know, I feel, you know, you think about things like uh, reputation, you know, and I, I feel like I've spent many years, you know, creating this reputation of someone who could be counted on. I mean, I've had people who don't consume any of this content who tell me, who've reached out to tell me that it's comforting to see... Work. They may not care for the work, they may not have any interest in the work, but knowing that it was there every single day was comforting to them, especially during the past few years where, you know, the world hasn't been very comfortable. It's just one of those things that is there without fail every single day or every single whenever. And I feel like uh, over the course of the past several months, I've kind of squandered that reputation where. I don't know. I don't want to say I'm letting people down because I don't think people are that invested uh, to begin with. But you think about sayings like uh, "What have you done for me lately?" and uh, that's one that uh, rings in my head quite a bit because, well, lately uh, this has been a shit show. So um, I worry that uh, that's going to be people's takeaway from all the uh, all the years that I've uh, put into this. But yeah, you know, that's uh, just one of those things I uh, I can't control. In it, you know. Anyway, I I think that's about all of your time that I will waste for today. Uh, There's a lot more that I could say. There's a lot more that I practiced saying while I was in the shower earlier. (laughs) But uh, eh, maybe somewhere down the line we'll get to uh, more of that, or maybe I'll just uh, let it be. But um, I'd like to thank you all so much for uh, your patience, for sticking with me if in fact you have... For all of the support, for all the love, for all the friendship, it really does mean the world to me. I can't adequately put it into words. Uh, just what you've all added to my life and how you've all helped soften, uh, you know, the blows of real life that have you know come raining down over the past little bit. So, thank you all so much. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, you guys know how to get a hold of me. The Contact information is going to be in the show notes. I haven't moved. I'm in the same place as always. So if anybody wants to reach out, I would encourage you to do so. It's another thing with um, being less regular than before is that uh, feedback is a little bit sparser because, well, how can I rightly expect anyone to spend their time writing or calling in to me when they won't even know if I'm putting out another show for you know, the foreseeable future? So, Anyway, let me draw a firm line under this. <laughs> and thank you all one last time for choosing to spend some of your day with me. And until next time, as uh, well as usual, as sometimes I will talk to you again, real soon. See ya.